The Levering Summers consist largely of uh, going to one place, that is the swimming pool. Up until my uh, semi-tragic eye injury a few weeks ago, I was there a lot, but mostly now it's Christy taking the kids to either swim lessons or Tyler's doing the swim team. And as we, uh, as I remembered long, long ago going to the pool, it occurs to me that what we're going to talk about today uh, is much like that pool. That pool has a lot of water in it, but there's two types of swimmers. There are those who are in the shallow end, who are swimming in the area where it's comfortable, where they can touch, where they are sure that their feet will not slip. But there comes a, along an area along where there's a rope dividing and buoys floating and the floor of the pool slants farther and farther down where no reasonably height person can touch. And there is the true test of how well you are able to swim. On the one side, you're learning the basics. You're learning the simple things. You're, you're learning what's easy, but you're learning the very fundamentals of swimming, of how to float and how to, the different strokes, the basic ones, how to tread, how to hold your breath. All of that you're learning with the goal being that you get to the other end of the pool where you learn so many more strokes and you, you get to jump off uh, not just the side of the pool but the various diving board heights. Uh, there's a whole new level of joy in swimming on this end of the pool. But you got to start at the shallow end before you move to the deep end. As we talk this morning about our series, Better Together, I hope you'll join me as we go from the shallow to the deep. As we begin, I want to introduce the theme for the year, which many of you know by now is light of life. Our theme has come from John chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus said, whoever walks with me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The idea being, we're going to get into this heavily in July as we kind of look at this idea more intensely, is that the goal is to understand Jesus is the light and we're the conduits for the light. As we let his light shine, the goal is not just to let it shine here. That's easy and not very productive. The goal is to let the light shine where it doesn't. And so we've challenged Northsiders this year to donate 20 hours or $20 in 17 hours to one of four ministries that we're partnering with this year. And I occasionally will show you pictures of different activities and different projects that the various ministries are coordinating. Today is from Carpenter Place. Uh, several of you have served at Carpenter Place in different ways and have been involved with the girls that Carpenter Place serves in lots of different opportunities for relational ministry, but just also plain service ministry. With as many families as they have, uh, they have a lot of food. And on Harvest Sunday, Northside is a big participant in bringing and filling this stage full of food for Carpenter Place. But that food has to be sorted and organized, and, and the difficult part, the drudgery, is going through and finding the expired food and pulling it off the shelf and sorting the new food and all of that, which no one uh, is excited about doing, but which needs to be done. And several hearty volunteers came together several weeks ago and began doing that. So thank you to those of you who have volunteered with Carpenter Place. Thank you for all of you who are letting your light shine as we endeavor to do that at Northside in 2017. Can I ask a hard question? When you think about light of life, why is it that you chose to do that? 
Is it because the preacher told you to and you sort of felt guilty and like, eh, I better do this? I hope that it didn't start there. I hope that it started because you love the Lord and you want to do what you know he's called us to do as the body of Christ. As we think about that today, uh, I'll take you back to the pool. This Sunday kind of wraps up the whole series of Better Together. And I was trying to think, how is it that we can pull all these things together? You see, we've been talking about the relationships that God blesses us with here, not only at the body, but in our Christian walk. Uh, the vine and the branches, our, our first most important relationship is the relationship with Jesus. If we don't have that, everything else becomes moot. And the, the relationships that we have with moms and, and dads, we've done a couple of those. Uh, we've talked about the head and the body here between the, the, the relationship of Christ and the church and the church to one another. And we've talked about husband and wife. We did a series, uh, t- a sermon talking about the relationship of you and me, our friendships, our relationships, speaking not just to uh, married people, but also to single people as well. When we think about all those relationships what is the what is the the desire to be? Um, the goal is hopefully is to learn to love. I think that all the relationships that we are in, most of them teach us how to love. Yesterday, I was privileged and honored to do a wedding ceremony for a couple of kids who, at one time, sat right there, and they dated in high school and there, and they have been together for a while, and. As I watched, and I was privileged to stand, not here, but in the center of this ceremony, I I realized that Austin and Chloe would have said they loved each other, and they absolutely do. But for those of us who have been married longer than, you know, just a day, we understand that that love is going to change. It's going to grow. Hopefully, it's going to mature. Uh, What they have right now is a beautiful thing. But God's going to, through that relationship, through that marriage, teach them more deeply about what true love really is. It's not just the emotion. It's the choice to lay down yourself for the other. And if they have children, uh, they'll learn more about how they can love someone so much. And yet that little someone will defy them, will rebel against them, will turn away from them. That's a hard as a parent. That's hard. All of these relationships are designed to teach us how to grow in love. When Jesus came toward the end of his ministry, as John records it, he he does some things that I think would be very natural to do. Imagine for a moment if you knew uh, when your last night on earth would be. Then the next day, you know, however it would happen, you would pass from this world to the next. Well, Jesus knew that when that was going to happen. How would you spend the night before? My guess is you'd probably do what Jesus did. You'd surround yourself with your closest friends. You'd tell them the things you most want them to know most deeply in the world. Maybe you'd share a meal together and you'd hope that the night would be a beautiful blessing, not just in your memory, but in theirs as well. I want you to turn to John chapter 13. Uh, This is the scripture that was just read, but I know it's easy to hear it, but it's so impressionable to read it together as we think about how Jesus addressed his disciples, not really his disciples, as he would say, his friends. 
In John, John 13, verses 34, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, I want to emphasize that, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, Jesus was not the only rabbi around in his day. The disciples were not the only disciples around in that day. And Jesus, if you think about it, his disciples and him have been in the shallow end for the last three years. And Jesus has been teaching them the very basics, the fundamentals, the the, the truth. And they've listened and they've watched him. And now he's telling them, guys, I'm going to leave you here in the pool and I'm going to get out. I'm not going to be with you here as I have been. And, And there's one thing I need you to do that's so important. And this one thing will set you apart from all other disciples of all other rabbis. And if you do this, all men will know that you are my disciples. What he said there was not being baptized. What he said there was not partaking of the Lord's Supper every week. What he said there was not even worship. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying any of those things are unimportant. Jesus commanded all of those things. And if we love Jesus, we'll keep those commands. But what he said would be the defining mark of us as disciples is this. To love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. It's the very core. It's the crucible of the of everything that Jesus ever commanded. The, the two greatest commands we're told about in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, he was asked, teacher, what are the, what are the greatest commands in the law? And he said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. I know most of you here know the first and second commandment, but I want to just point you to that one word, like. I I want you to love God with everything you've got, and the second command is really close to it. You've got to love each other. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, in my mind, I can clearly imagine a day upon which... The nations of the world will be gathered together and they will stand in front of the throne of judgment. And and having all the technology that we do, maybe Jesus will have an angel there with an iPad. And he's just going to say, listen, I just gave you two things that I needed you to do. Those two things were really important. And I just want to take a scroll here through your Twitter feed, some of the stuff that you put out there. And your Facebook, and you said you were associated with me, and you had all this vile, foul stuff pouring out of you? Uh, Do you remember that you would go to that restaurant, and every week you would treat that waitress like garbage? And you said that you represented me. 
You passed by a man who needed your help every single day. And you just kept walking. May we not forget that as disciples, far and above anything else that we do that's commanded, that our identity, that how we're defined as God's people is our love for one another. My guess is, is that as you came to know Christ, you were led to know Christ by someone who's deeply in love with Jesus. Do you remember who it was? I don't know, maybe it was your parents or grandparents, or maybe it was a stranger or a neighbor or friend. But what led you to him was the fact that they loved him and they loved you enough to bring you to him. May we not forget that it is love that defines us. John says it a lot more clearly and more concisely in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. He starts by saying, if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love his brother, cannot love God whom he cannot see. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You see, love's one of those things that it's pretty easy to say. But it's when you actually do it that it gets difficult. It gets risky. Secondly, love, his love, must direct our love. Um, in chemistry, I'm, I'm not a chemist. There are people who are in this audience who I will offend by saying that. But I definitely know one thing, and that is there are chemicals. And sometimes when you want a reaction, you have to put something in called a catalyst. The catalyst is the beginning. It's the starting point. It's what gets the reaction going. To explain it this way, I have in my garage a little case full of fireworks. They're left over from 4th of July 2016. And our habit is we'll shoot off those and I'll go refill them uh, on July 4th. And those fireworks are basically packages of chemicals, powders. And, And nothing will happen until... I bring forth a catalyst. That catalyst would be a a lit fuse. And when I light that fuse, it starts a reaction within the fireworks that makes them fun and dangerous at the same time. It's the catalyst which starts the reaction. Now, this is what John says. We're still in 1 John 4. He says in verse 11, he says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. He'll later say in that same chapter, chapter verse 19, he says, we love because he first loved us. You see, when we truly understand the great lengths to which God has gone to show us his love, it should be a catalyst. It should be that fuse that lights and sets something off. Within us, that it should be an explosion of love for people who are around you, your friends, your family, for for people who you see semi-regularly, friends and neighbors, for even perfect strangers. God's love should be such a beautiful catalyst in your life. It should start a chain reaction of beautiful love. 
Uh, turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. I'm sorry, 9 through 11. In Romans 12, um, I had a professor in college one time say that Romans 6 is how you become a Christian. Romans 12 is how you remain in Christ. And it's a, it's a chapter full of very practical, uh, easy to, not easy, but uh, easy to understand, not so much easy to apply. Paul says this in verse 9 and following. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I look at a couple of former teenagers who were in the youth group back in the... uh, Oh, they were the hard days of Toby, weren't they? Uh, they may or may not have referred to me as a Nazi. I don't know. Um, I was young and I, I was sincere. But here's the thing I lacked. I lacked love. And youth ministry got better for me when I began to love the people that I was serving instead of trying to lord it over them. Love just changes everything. When people understand and know that you love them, it changes how you act and how you behave and how you serve. Can you all think of a teacher that you had in high school that was a horrible teacher? And here's what they were doing. I guarantee you, it's every single case is the same. They were just phoning it in. They were just saying, all i got to do is just do the curriculum and, and not get fired and, and hopefully have some reasonably good kids and just kind of bide my time until I can get my secure, you know, my retirement and get that all taken care of. I, they didn't have any desire to teach. I've had several of those kind of teachers. They were not playing to win. They were playing not to lose. They didn't have any love for their students is what I'm saying. They didn't have any passion. They didn't have any zeal. They didn't have any fervor. But you had those other teachers. You had those other teachers that they loved it when you walked into class and they were annoyed when they couldn't get your attention and they would do anything to help you understand the concept and they loved to help you understand because they had a love for you. Those teachers make all the difference in the world. Those kind of teachers create future teachers. You ever see that person who's, um, well, they're not really doing what they're passionate about. They just have a J-O-B. They're just kind of there collecting a paycheck. Not my responsibility. Not my department. And and it's just so frustrating. You go to a restaurant like that and you get the, the waitress or the manager and nobody cares. That they, they just don't care if your food's hot and, and fresh. They don't care if you have a good experience or not. But then there are those other restaurants. There are those ones you go to. And you walk in and they say, hi, welcome to Chick-fil-A. We're so glad you're here, Mr. Levering. Because they love it. They, they're passionate about the people that they serve. They may not be passionate about chicken or waffle fries, but they learn to love the people that they serve. Can I get real personal for a second? It happens in church, too. You know, it's easy. I mean, there are some weeks when I'm tempted. You know, I could just phone this sermon in. Read a few verses, give them an outline, a few PowerPoints. But the truth is, you know when I'm doing that. And I know when I'm doing that. The problem is, and I think it's more about me or more about the message than it is about the people I'm preaching to. 
If I have no love here, you're not going to hear any love here. But sometimes, sometimes you hear those preachers. I'm not talking about me, but I'm talking about the preachers that you've heard that you know that they've given everything that they've got. They've poured themselves into the message and they've let the message pour through them because they love the people and they want them to know Jesus and they want them to grow in Jesus. You see, there's a world of difference in serving out of fear, out of obligation, out of duty. There's other ministries in church as well. You can do it just because somebody twisted my arm because I sort of feel like nobody else is doing it. Can I just ask you to do a Romans 12 gut check? Can I just ask you to examine yourself and ask yourself this question? Why do you do what you do in the body of Christ? Do you do it because it's always, I mean, sometimes I feel like I know we can do that in worship. It's like, well, I'm here, I'm in my seat that I like to sit in, and got my order here, and we'll just go down through and hope the preacher doesn't make me mad. But there are those times when you come to worship and you ignore the distractions and you focus on the word and you think about the songs and you're engaged in it. You're remembering what Christ did and you're engaged. You see, there's a difference There's a difference in just going through the motions and doing it with love and passion and sincerity and zeal. Let his love direct your love. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. I want you to mark it down, highlight it, circle it again, do whatever you got to do, because this is so important, especially in churches, because we get used to doing the things that we do and not getting uncomfortable, not not doing what we know God is calling us to do because we've forgotten our first love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, Be strong. Be men of courage. Let all you do be done in love. When you teach a class, when you're handling the kids thing, when you're preaching a sermon, if you've got a part of worship where you're leading prayer, reading a scripture, leading a song, let all you do be done in love. Not because you're so great, but because he's so great. And because he loved you first. All right. Number three. This is, this is it. Love's got to drive all we do. Now you're still in First John, I hope. I just want you to turn back one chapter to chapter three. We're going to be in verse 16. Verse John 3, 16 and following. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart, how can the love of God be in him? Little children, let us not love in word, but let us love in action and in truth. May you and I love one another, not just by saying it, not just because you fill it in on the outline, but because God loved you first. And there's someone here today, I guarantee you, who needs to know God's love, but they need to experience it through your hands reaching around and giving a hug or a handshake or just looking them in the eye. They need to know his presence through your presence. You know 1 Corinthians 13. I'm quite sure you do. It's the scripture that must be read at every single wedding. 
You believe it or not, 1 Corinthians 13 is not a verse on weddings. It's actually speaking to a church. Paul speaking to a church that had a lot of gifts. They had a lot of good things going superficially, but they had a lot of dysfunction as well. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I gain nothing. If I give all away that I have, and I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. You see, love is risky. It means putting yourself out there. It means getting uncomfortable. It means going beyond what you're used to and reaching across the aisle and saying, I'm glad you're here. I want to be, I want you to be a part of this body. So may all we do in word or deed be done in love. That's the key to keeping all of us together. That's the key for moving out of the shallow end of fear and into the deep end where the water, though it's the same water, gets a whole lot more fun. You see, right up here is our baptistry. And there's been a lot of sin washed away right here over the years. There's a lot of people, maybe some of you, that have stepped down in there's those awkward baptismal garments that never fit. And you step down in there and, and you're just shaking and, and you're so nervous. And you, you hope that whoever's doing it does it right. And then you, you just let it happen and you lean back and you go under the water and you come up. And the Bible says it's that that moment that your sins are washed away. And that not only that, but you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But see, the thing about that baptistry is it's the shallow end. It's where you start. It's not where God intends you to stay. God wants you to swim. God wants you to live in love. He wants his love to shine through you. And so in order to do that, it must drive everything we do. How do we put this into practice? Two simple things I'm going to leave you with. Number one, you got to practice it. you got to put it into action. You have to make the first move. You have to be willing to step up and say, I know I'm not, I can't change anyone else. I can only change me. And so I'm going to begin showing love, not just to my brothers and sisters in Christ, but to my family, to that neighbor next door who annoys me and never talks to me, to that person who I see, that, that waitress who just doesn't care anymore. But I'm going to show her God's love this time, today, right now. You got to start. You got to start and make the first move. See, God didn't wait for us to make the first move. He made the first move. He made a first of many moves before we ever thought about responding. So don't be sit there and wait for somebody else to do for you. You begin the process. You're going to mess up. I promise you will mess this up. I am convicted that I want to be a church, regardless of our size, I want to be a church who loves. That means one of the things we've got to do is reach out to people that are new. We have a lot of guests each week. You know what that means I have to do as a preacher? I have to take the chance of embarrassing myself and saying, well, you know, I'm not sure that I know you here. Well, I've been going here for 25 years, Toby. And yet I will do it again and again because I never, ever want to walk by a guest 
And if I have, forgive me, I'm human. But I never, ever want to make someone come to Christ's body and feel unwelcome. And I hope you'll join me in that. And just saying, I'm sorry, I probably should know you, but I don't. And I want to know you better. we got to do it. we got to practice it. we got to get out there outside our comfort zone in order to make it happen. And secondly is we got to persist. Loving people is hard. Can I get an oh yeah? But can I, <laughs> can I, <laughs> but, uh, can I tell you the truth? Loving you is hard. Loving me is hard. We're people. That's kind of part of the package. It's difficult. It's not easy. But how we do it is we just keep swimming. To quote the great 20th century theologian Dory, we just keep swimming. We don't give up. We persist in love. God never gave up on you and I, and neither should we give up on one another. I hope Better Together has been helpful for you, but I hope above all things that you understand that our goal is to love each other and to love others as well, to let his love be known in our lives. Now, this morning, I talked about the baptistry, and if you haven't ever been here, if you haven't ever stepped into the relationship with Christ, I'm not belittling the shallow end of the pool. You got to start somewhere. If you don't start there, you'll never get to know Jesus. So I want to call you to that if you haven't made that first step. And we want to help you not only to know Christ, but to grow in Christ. And if you've been in the pool, but you've sort of been playing in the shallow end, and you haven't been stepping out to where you need to be, maybe you need to repent. Maybe it's time to turn around and say, you know what, I haven't been swimming like I should. I've been pushing myself to love as he's called me to love. If you have a need, I'd like to ask you to come down forward and one of our shepherds or myself will meet you there and we'll be glad to help you in any way. May all we do be done in love because all he has ever done has been because of his love. If you have any need this morning, please come as together we stand and sing.